0: Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fit Click. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode each of the three of us brings a fic to discuss and this week we are starting with reed reed what is your fic
1: this episode i'm bringing chapter 7.5 by eye on the sparrow a familiar author of the pod it is for the fandom the Murderbot diaries there's no pairing it's just jen um yeah it's about Murderbot. i'm excited bren what did you bring I brought Psycho Pompeii by Eastling. Uh,
2: This was a Yuletide fic from 2017. It is for the fandom Ancient Pompeii Graffiti. It's about journeys to the underworld and undying friendship. Nick, what did you bring? My fic for this episode is... And a partridge in a pear tree by AO3 user
0: Strange Hunger. This fic is for Gideon the Ninth in the Locked Tomb series. Our pairing is Gideon slash Harrow. And a couple of the tags on this are literally everyone works in the same mall and and I am the god of that mall. Incredible stuff.
2: So we thought for our intro this episode, we might go back to something that we've done at least once before, maybe twice, I can't remember, but was requested by ficlets for us to explore further into this sort of tangential area, which is creating sonas um, around uh, a fic. So this time we're actually doing kind of three similar but slightly different things for these fics. Um, we will be discussing what our mall sonas would be regarding next fic. Regarding my fic, we will be discussing bits of sort of written content that we would leave behind for uh, archaeologists to discover in the future and then potentially write fan fiction about. Um, and for Reed's fic, we will be discussing what TV show we would try and pitch to other bots in the way that Murderbot is always trying to get everyone around it to watch Sanctuary Moon.
1: Media. I'm putting asterisk media. That's how I interpret okay. it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Mine is also technically not a TV show.
1: Guys, I thought it was supposed to be it's a TV a show, show. Okay. But it's not a TV. Mer- I don't watch Mer- TV. Are calls you kidding it, like, me? Media, I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, but
1: like it's a TV show. I could do a TV show. I mean, I have... Okay, I've got options.
2: I think it's just not called a TV show because like, we don't know if like televisions are still a thing in the Murderbot universe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it could be on like YouTube or something. I it's guess. just streamed. Yeah. <laughs> but It's it always talking definitely, about like, streaming it. A scripted drama show.
1: Yeah. I feel like sometimes... Not even I feel like. I know for a fact that sometimes in our pre-discussion we go okay what should our intro be tomorrow and then we all sit in agony forever and ever and ever um this has got to be one of the quickest like the easiest intros we've ever thought of and for me I was like done 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 I've got all of my answers to this almost immediately
0: <laughs> easy peasy
1: I love when I have less homework for the podcast there's never no homework but I love when there's less or it's easier
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right should we talk about our mall sonas? absolutely yeah uh for context ficklets um I've never worked in a mall so I'm I'm guessing here. I'm just throwing it out there. Um for myself, I thought maybe I could be one of those like lush girlies non-gendered. Um not because I want to do what they do with like touching everyone's hands and stuff, but I want to be like the customer's favorite. I get fired quickly but I would leave people alone. Mm. I also think, I don't know, I like things that smell nice. I use one of their shampoo bars pretty consistently, so I would get the little discount. Really, this is my, like, I would work there for a few months before letting, getting let go uh, because I'm bad at it. Mall mm. Sona position.
2: You'd have to be, like, really bad. Like, most mall stores don't, like, fire people very quickly or easily, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the only guaranteed way to get fired is, like, to steal steal stuff or to, like, just not show up. I did go down, like, last
0: year, two years ago now, a wild Tumblr rabbit hole around, like, what they call lifting. I know how to shoplift all kinds of things (laughs) now. I have, like, a horrible knowledge. I get paranoid now when I walk into stores. I'm like, they're going to think I'm stealing because I have a big bag. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not. Or, like, I'm distracted. Or if I walk down the same aisle three times because I forgot what I was looking for, I'm like, ooh, I'm so suspicious right now.
2: Yeah, my Mal Sona would just be based on I was gonna say historical fact. I guess, yeah, <laughs> just on my life, I guess. <laughs> um like my lived experience, which is that I would work at the American Girl Doll store. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> I this is funny to me because it's like I was sort of an American girl doll kid in a way. I really like the Amer I like the surrounding american girl media i love the american girl books and i loved like the magazine i had a subscription to it i find dolls creepy and terrifying um <laughs> so you know <laughs> two sides of a coin i guess <laughs> um but that's where i would work uh i guess if they didn't have an american girl store i would work at insert redacted other place that i have worked and also still work for uh, well, in a more like corporate Build-A-Bear? sense
1: what about <laughs> what, what? What about like a Build-A-Bear? Oh. No. Brenna absolutely doesn't not. like Build-A-Bear. I wanted Mm-mm. to go to a Build a Bear with Brenna and she said no.
2: <laughs> I have <laughs> traumatic childhood memories from Girl Scouts going to Build-A-Bear. Oh, No. Okay, good to know. I don't like seeing, it just seems similar I don't to like American seeing Girl. the bears get made. Um <laughs> it's upsetting to me personally. I also like have <laughs> okay. a lot more of an emotional attachment to stuffed animals than dolls. So yeah, yeah, I that's don't know. True. Okay,
0: understood.
1: Yeah, um, we just said Mall Sona, um, and so I know that the spirit of it, it was like, what store would you work at? But I have to remain as true as possible. It reads like a shopper um, or something? Well, so at the beginning <laughs> of this year... I am not oh. a shoplifter. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Let me know if you need tips. At the beginning of this year, I cosplayed the modern Mighty Nine with some friends, and after a very long day of photo shooting when we were all cold and hungry, we went to... Um, like, the equivalent of a Chipotle is it's, like, a different, I think, more, maybe more local chain, but same concept. But mm-hmm. we all went in full cosplay, including, like, many people mm-hmm. had painted bodies. We're all with, like, whack <laughs> costumes. I was one of the more normal people with my, like, really intense Yasha makeup just because my skin wasn't, mm-hmm. like, purple. Um, mm-hmm. And I texted a couple different people. I was, like, I never was, like, one of those, like, mall goth teens who, like, goes around in the, like, really intense outfits and just sort of, like, their thing is being, like, a mall goth. but. That is the closest I've ever felt to it, like sitting in public, like in the equivalent of a food court, people openly staring, being like, what on earth are these weirdos doing? And just being like, I'm having fun here. Um, So I think like retroactively, if I could go back to being a teen, my mall sona would be like a mall goth.
0: Okay. I I can accept that, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Very Harrow hark of you.
1: Yeah. I was literally thinking the line where Gideon's like, oh, Harrow treated in her trip pants. Like that, that would be me. That would be my teen (laughs) mall (laughs) sona. Bren, you want to kick us off for your historical text fanfiction? Yeah. So I kind of forgot that we were picking them for ourselves and
2: another person on the pod. So the one that I've chosen for host Nick um, is a message that was pinned in sort of like the main room of our the Discord server that the three of us have, um, which does say, <clears throat> "Quote: Oh God, Oh God," said my doctor the last time he saw my lungs. Um. Nick having strong lungs is a vital part of Nick lore yeah and also I think this would be confusing and fascinating for people in the future and like I would really love it if this became something that people tried to like study medically and like examine Nick's life to see if they really had like stronger than usual lungs um yeah, I think that would just be like really cool and fascinating. Mm-hmm. For myself, I guess I will pick something. I was saying to Nick that I was just listening to <laughs> a podcast that was like really making me think in sort of a depressing fashion about like journalistic writing and the things that are left behind and what we make out of those and like how we make them into like thesis statements of people's lives that were ended too young. Um, anyway, on that note, I'm <laughs> going to choose something from my notes app called List of Cursed Things. I'm not going to read <laughs> these aloud. Um, my co-hosts will know what some of them are, um, <laughs> but I'm not reading this. Yeah, no, I'm familiar. Um, I will read you one. One of them says Qu- in, in, in and then in parentheses, SP, question mark, because I didn't know how we wanted to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> question mark. So yeah, the rest of it you don't, you don't get access to. I'm sorry. <laughs> in like 300 years when someone discovers it, you can have access. Yeah,
1: that's right. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I Okay, so I thought of an answer last night, but I have changed it since. Um, hmm. y- historians would have to discover this in, like, one of my, like, tweet my drafts images because I've never actually tweeted this. Um, I have not actually that many drafts, but the ones that I had were fun to go back through. Um, and the one I've landed on is season 22 of Survivor, Boston Rob Eradicates Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is something that Nick, Bren and I made up when we were watching a season. I do not know what we meant at all. Nope. Already lost to the sands of time. Already lost to the sands of time. Um, okay. I'm cheating a little bit. I have two answers for Brenna um, because I have m- the one that immediately came to mind and then I have the one that felt better, but it's it's not exactly just Brenna. So the one that immediately came to mind is um, the entire reason that we made a personal discord server in the first place was because there was an image like we had texted and i was like this is so funny i wish i could pin it and save it and nick made a discord Mm -hmm. for it and it's um it's a screenshot of a twitter dm that brenna had sent uh in september of 2016 that says me throwing ravioli at your window yelling little clouds little clouds
2: (laughs) i remember the (laughs) context of this
1: yeah (laughs) Um. So good. The the backup answer that I have that I think would maybe be more rich for historians to explore, but it is it is Brenna and I together. Um, is Link's Wayward School for Tiny Lads. Um, mm-hmm. some of the best and most important lore that Brenna and I have ever crafted. Um it's exactly what it sounds like it is just a school for um tiny lads that uh link from the Legend of Zelda runs um and I'm not going to read you the full list of attendees because there are a lot of them but maybe just to give you a snippet we have um small Mario he's a professor uh, he's a guest lecturer and he comes through the pipe and that's how he gets into the mm-hmm. school um we have Sam Gerard from the Colorado Avalanche. He's an international student. Um, and I think that really adds a lot to the lore because where on earth does this take place? I don't know, but Sam Gerard is an international student. Unclear. Yeah. Um, we have Yuma he was a, um He's a Japanese figure skater who was in the Olympics. Um, he has a 4.0 GPA and is also in the AV club. Good for him. Um, the school is attended by a rich plethora of people, um, but they all must mm-hmm. be tiny lads. And I think that would be fun yeah. for people to explore far into the future absolutely
0: wow great stuff everyone (laughs) um i will be sharing uh a piece of text from reed as well as one from myself they have different tones um (laughs) for reed for future historians i thought it would be nice to do kind of like a media synthesis um, like two different forms of media that reed brought together so that they could do like you know someone writing their thesis years from now could be like oh my gosh i never thought about the Like overlap between these two pieces of media. So Reed texted uh, into a a group chat somewhat recently, um, Niche text, but when I look at J-Hope, I understand why Artagon choked Vax to death with his bare hands for fun. This, it's, um, (laughs) wow. Uh, Definitely a niche text. Um, If you, dear listener, understood that, (laughs) it's actually really impressive. If you didn't, you're going to be like this historian who finds it someday and has to track down uh, the references that are being made in this uh, emotional message. Uh, For myself, I have also gone into my notes app um, and I have a piece of text that I wrote for our D&D campaign. Um, So I, for myself, for historians to know who I truly am, um, I'm submitting, Bear, you have a strange dream. You open your eyes in a structure made of ice. When you take in your surroundings more closely, you realize that the structure is like a crystalline castle. You're only sure it's ice because of how cold it is. You find that you're wearing what you went to sleep in and your feet are bare. You're in the throne room. Ahead of you, a massive ice throne sits imposingly. It's empty. You hear a voice boom through the space. Child of the air, it says, take your place. What do you do? So yeah, I, th- I think they'd like that. I, I actually, i picked sorry.
1: that one and not like... Um- the ballad of horse girl which includes the lines she horse she girl she girl who horse or like any yeah. of the like jacket covers like uh back covers for um the yeah. fake romance novels that you've now written into our campaign well i want them to know i'm serious okay or like
2: when it's like kelna you have a strange dream and it's always the fucking ceramic cloud. i don't write those down <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um Reed, i'm i was just thinking about like what else you could have chosen for me mm. and
1: oh so many the pinned, things
2: the pinned messages in the dm chat that you me and our friend molly have <laughs> particularly <laughs> this series of <laughs> images this is what i should have brought for myself actually
1: i'm so sorry <laughs> maybe we can share that as a spoiler without context because it's not yeah, it can't be conveyed <laughs> audibly i don't think mm-hmm.
2: no yeah. it, but it makes me like cry tears of laughter also <sighs> if i scroll up one and then i screenshot I'll screenshot two variations because it's oh God. just, it's incredible. Um, I'm also yeah. Yeah. crying. My backup for Reed
0: was the uh, filk of Jopping by mm. Super M to make it about Raylo. Oh, Lo yes. With lines like, you think you're a big boy with killing Snoke.
1: <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Some of my best work.
0: Yeah, but yeah. I, I performed it and it's on AO3 now. So it feels like it doesn't need further
2: yeah. memorializing. Very true. All right. Should we talk about media that we would uh, pitch if we were Murderbot? Uh, for I context, guess. in I'm the series. I'm not sure
0: we've told enough inside jokes no, <laughs> to
2: go the Two <thickness. laughs> <laughs> hour special of us telling inside jokes. Um, <laughs> for context, in the series, The Murderbot Diaries. Sorry, I'm giving context for your thing, Reed. i <laughs> yeah, go for it. Do you want to do it? <laughs> uh, d- you know what? No, Bren, you go for it. Okay, This sounds like a horror special script. Oh, do you want it? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> For context, in the series, The Murderbot Diaries, our titular character, Murderbot, really loves television. I'm calling it television. Murderbot calls it media. But it is like scripted dramas that are acted out. And I think it's our equivalent of TV. Um murderbot pitches this media often to other bots to try and get them to watch it um or like trades it as a sort of form of bot based currency where murderbot wants a favor and the bots are like well what are you going to give me because bots don't really like need money and stuff and murderbot's always like stories slash media so what would we use as like our what would we have in our archives to like show to other bots um to try and get them to do stuff for us or like we tell us like an engaging story
0: um 2001 show hosted by Anderson Cooper, The Mole. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I could also do the Netflix revival, but I feel like the OG is the most important yeah. one. It's
2: it's more on brand for you, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I would talk about the mechanics of The Mole and, like, how it works, and then run through, yeah, the story, trying to maintain the suspense of who The Mole is until the very end, just like you as the person watching the show have that suspense maintained for you. Nice.
2: I feel like... See, I'm torn. Because on the one hand, I feel like if I were in Murderbot instead of Murderbot, like the thing that would be my sanctuary moon would be Riverdale. Um, Uh But I don't always want to be so horribly on brand. So I'm gonna pick Lost because I think Mm. Lost is like, (laughs) so engaging, so watchable. It has one of the best pilots that I've ever seen. People are incredibly divided in their opinions about the ending. Um and it just like especially if you're telling it out loud as a story, it does seem incredibly whack and convoluted, which I think captures the energy I want here.
1: Yeah, my first thought was um hit TV show Survivor because at this point there are over 40 seasons of it and one of the things about Sanctuary Moon and like Murderbot's media in general is that Murderbot has like hundreds of hours worth of media to show. Um and there's just so much. Like every season is rife with like intricate plots. You have people to root for. We love to see it. Um, but that felt like one of those things where it's like all three of us really love survivors. So I was trying to figure out how I could be more on brand. And the second thing I thought of was um just a lot of hours of, like, Let's Plays or people doing playthroughs of video games. I am thinking notably about the time that I watched someone do um, 60 hours of a playthrough of Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that I cannot play because I don't <laughs> want a PlayStation, but I wanted to know what was up. Um, and I did watch it at anywhere between, like, one to two times speed. Like, it was not 60 hours raw, per se, but it was still a lot of time. Anyway, I feel like I could find, like, playthroughs for games that I really enjoy and that I could share as media as a bot
0: yeah that's good are we human or are we dancer read
1: <laughs> <laughs> my fic this episode is chapter 7.5 by eye on the sparrow for the fandom the murder bot diaries by martha wells they are a series of novellas and one novel length book about the titular Murderbot. bot we talked about one other Murderbot fic on the pod a little while ago. Brenna brought it. At the time, I had never read anything from Murderbot, and I liked the fic so much that I was like, I want to know what's up here. Um, so I have read slash listened to the first three novellas. Um, there's There are a couple more that I will get to at some point, I'm sure. The series is a sci-fi series um, in which Murderbot is a security unit or sec unit, Um, basically gets assigned to go around and protect humans on different missions or whatever they need a sec unit for. However, Murderbot has hacked its governor module, um, meaning that it is self-governing and doesn't have to do anything it doesn't want to, except it doesn't really know what to do. So it just kind of keeps doing its job, except in the background of doing its job, it consumes countless hours worth of media. Um, That is its favorite thing to do, is watch um, its show, The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon, that it really loves, to discuss The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon with other bots, um, and generally to be left alone and kind of ponder how weird humans are. This fic, as the title implies, um, is a sort of missing scenes chapter um, from the first novella all systems red it takes place between chapters seven and eight which is why it's called chapter 7.5 um it was written for yuletide uh, i think murderbot is like a perfect yuletide fandom and i believe at the time that this fic came out all systems red was the only novella that was published and so I think um, I might get into this a little bit more later, but I think it makes total sense. Like this is the kind of fic that someone was wanting, like either requesting or writing, um, just sort of like wanting a little bit more. um, Because at the time, maybe you didn't know that you were going to get more Murderbot and dig more into its motivations and things like that. There are no content warnings for this fic. Um, It just takes place post um, basically a kind of disastrous mission that Murderbot has run with a group called Preservation Aux. Um, including one of the people in it is Dr. Mensa. She shows up quite a lot in this fic. Um, And it's basically Murderbot figuring out what is going to happen to it in the future and also questioning how much of it is robot? How much of it is human? What does it mean to have feelings and be a self-governing robot? Um, I really liked this fic. I really like this series. And I would love to know what my co-hosts thought. It was good. I had fun. Um,
0: I have read... Uh, two or maybe three Murderbot installments of books. I listened to them on audio. The audio was actually read by um, Kevin Free, who's like a Broadway actor. And I just listened to part, I mostly read it in physical copy, but I listened to part of Real Life by Brandon Taylor. And that was also Kevin Free. I was like, what is up, my guy? <laughs> oh my God, Murderbot is in the building. <laughs> Kevin. It was very exciting um, for me personally. I didn't even realize. And then I listened and I was like, I know this man. <laughs> so that was fun um yeah this fic was a total joy i was saying during pre-discussion i always love a first person pov in a fic i feel like it's such an automatic close the tab for a lot of people and that's not at all the case for me so i had fun with that um, I thought that it was really, really interesting framing. I'm sure we'll talk about that pretty soon here, of like how this fix slotted in as a missing scene. I thought it was very clever um, and very creative, as we expect from Ion the Sparrow. Not in a pressuring way, just in a like in a way that we know <laughs> Ion that's how Sparrow, they Sparrow, We have high expectations for everything you put out, <laughs> and you care so much about you our specific opinions. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, it was just fun. I mean, it's always fun to spend a little bit more time in a universe where um, the canon is finite. I mean, I am excited to consume more murder content. I still want to pick up Network Effect at some point. That's my next one that I have to read. Um, But I think any time when there's like one particular story that you really love, and then you get more of that in a way that doesn't feel like overly contrived or like slow paced or anything. Like what a joy. This just feels like such, I'm going to say that for, I think all three of our picks. It just feels like such peak fan fiction (laughs) and such peak like fic motivation to create the story. So I loved it. It was great. I'm excited to get more into the details of it.
2: Yeah, I really had a good time with this. I love Murderbot. Um I am so thankful to the multiple friends who like encouraged me to pick up this series in the first place because it's so up my alley and like immediately skyrocketed to be one of my favorite series of all time, I think. And there are multiple things that I love about the series that I think are reflected here in this fan fiction. So I'm just going to say them and you can assume that they're both about this and about <laughs> um Martha Wells's books, but I think the characters are just, they both take from sort of sci-fi archetypes and yet feel wholly their own and super individual, which I really, really appreciate. Um, And I think that the pacing of the books is something that I really, really love. Like this fic does a very good job of emulating it, but recently I've been very frustrated at books for being too long I picking up (laughs) books that are just simply too long like they need to be edited down I think honestly many books that I've read in the last couple months I would have given a higher star rating if someone had cut like 50 pages out of it um Murderbot I've never felt that way and I think it's because it's a combination of novellas and novel length stories but every part of it feels earned and the pacing is so good the amount of story that's packed in is so good but it never feels also like too fast to me um and i think another reason for this is honestly because of what nick was saying like it's first person and we're just with one character and i think i am realizing that like i'm not necessarily i don't necessarily need it to be first person pov but I like sticking with one character. I realized that I, I don't like bopping around between too many people in books. Um, and fic doesn't really do that that often. Like you don't come across like multi POV fics very frequently. You might get two alternating chapters from like a couple who are in love or whatever, but even that is like not super common in fan fiction. Um, I like just being with one character and being inside their head, and Murderbot is one of my favorite characters to be along for the ride with. Um, I thought this was a very good Murderbot. It was a very fun little insert that felt super canon. Um, Yeah, I just love Murderbot, and I'm really glad that, like, people are writing these fanfictions that feel so true to the story and, like, so in the spirit of, like, what Martha Wells is doing. Um, And I just find that, like, I find that really impressive, too, in terms of fanfiction, to be able to sort of take canon and continue working with it in a way that feels like both like fan fiction and also like really authentic to the original source material.
1: Yeah, I think something that I loved about this fic is like how much certain parts especially really stuck out to me as feeling so true and in character and good. Um, There's a bit uh, sort of towards the end where like Dr. Mensah is like having a conversation with Murderbot basically about like feelings and humanity and like Murderbot, especially in All Systems Red, is really grappling with sort of, like, not understanding humans and having this desire to be left alone and also, like, still very much feeling a need and a desire to protect them and, like, almost like an unwilling, like, oh, no, I do actually care about these humans. Oh, no, they're they're good, actually. And so there's a bit where Mensa's like, I know this isn't easy for you to discuss. I loved her. But we do need to discuss it. I loved her slightly less, which, like, <laughs> made me audibly laugh. And also I was like, yeah, absolutely, I could see those being lines, like, from the novellas. Um, I just, like, love how rooted in, like, the world and the story this was. And, like, with that, I think because Murderbot is set in this sci-fi universe, you know, there's, like, specific terminology and, like, ways that sort of, like, bots interface with each other and, like, the way that tech works. And I feel like that all works so seamlessly in this fic. Um, I feel like I on the Spyro did a great job of sort of, like yeah i don't know like when you're in Murderbot's pov they do things like they they look into a street cam to like get a view of what someone's face looks like they're pinging different bots they're sifting through feeds and like alerts and the whole thing and like it all just felt like very true to the way that the novellas were written in a way that i really appreciated
0: i also really liked how much we got of the the humans the prevention ox folks from all systems read in this book preservation um, Oaks? in this in this fic preservation ox not to be confused with prevention (laughs) ox which would presumably be doing something very different (laughs) Uh, anyway the humans the squad if you will Um, yeah it's been a little bit It has not been that long. It's been quite a few books since I listened to, uh, Murderbot and All Systems Red specifically. But I do remember finding it so interesting that Murderbot had such different observations about each of the humans, even though they all ostensibly were more similar to each other than they were to it. Um one of the things I really liked is remembering that Murderbot was like, Dr. Garothan hates me and um, Dr. Grothin is augmented. Uh, so kind of cyborg-esque, I suppose. I don't know what that's actually meant to look like in this universe or like actually be.
2: Um, but I think there's a ton of different options. Like augmented humans are pretty much people who were like began entirely flesh and human, we can assume, um, and have had various augmentations. I I think it can really be a gigantic range. Mm -hmm. Um, like maybe someone now has a mechanical hand, maybe someone has like vision implants, but it could be so like a couple things or like a ton of stuff. Um Mm -hmm. like really depending on the people and what they've gotten done.
1: I feel like from what I remember, Dr. Grothin is fairly heavily augmented for a human. Which is part Mm -hmm. of why, like, Murderbot has this sort of, like, I don't know, contentious is not the right word, but, like, contentious relationship in the, like, they grate against each other, I think, in a specific way because Dr. Garothan actually has quite a good insight into how Murderbot works. Yeah, there's a really interesting tension
0: there. Um, At one point during this fic, Dr. Garothan opens up his own, like, channel, brain brain channel feed. I
1: love that you're making a <laughs> hand motion that the ficklets will not be able to see.
0: <laughs> I'm like pretending to open up my own brain. <laughs> like My own head to let my brain out, you know? Because that's exactly what this is. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make here um, is that when Dr. Garothan opens this feed, he's like, look, like I also give myself all of these reminders and these things that I need to like remember when I'm interacting with people. The implication very heavily is that Dr. Garothan has autism and that he uses this feed as a way to, like, more more effectively, I guess, interact with his presumably neurotypical crewmates. Interesting stuff. And it is this really interesting moment of, like, Dr. Garothan and Murderbot talking to each other and connecting and, like... Kind of like Reed said, there is this tension because it's not like Murderbot is going, oh, thank goodness, someone understands. (laughs) It's more of like, oh, like someone understands. That's kind of weird. (laughs) And it's not in the exact same way. And we engage and interact with the world differently from one another. Um, But I don't know. I just I just really like that. There's a line towards the end of this whole section. Um, that says, I also thought that was a striking observation from the member of the Preservation Ox crew who seemed the least inclined to trust me about the difference between Murderbot and Dr. Garothan being consent, basically. Uh, The fic goes on to say, but then maybe he didn't distrust me because he found me alien like the others did. Maybe he distrusted me because he knew better than any of the rest of them what I was capable of. So good. So interesting. This is so much about, like, bridges. And, like, this bridge feels like it's kind of on fire, but it's still standing. (laughs) and maybe they're both like kind of lackadaisically throwing buckets of water onto the (laughs) fire but also like they're not going to be that upset if it like continues smoldering i just find it interesting
2: yeah i think something about murderbot as a character and i don't know it's interesting to read this fic because as reed said like this fic only exists within the world of all systems Red and not like what develops further in like the rest of the murderbot series but like murderbot (laughs) sometimes has a little bit of like a not like other girls complex going on (laughs) for lack of a better term um in the way that like murderbot thinks of itself as very unique from everyone else and like in a lot of ways it is like i think it's very much not a like oh well i don't like these things i'm different and like i'm trying to be different it's literally just like a well, the closest other things are all of these other sec units, but I've, like, hacked my governor module, so I'm not like them anymore, and there's nothing else that, I like, I am like. I am just me existing over here, and I kind of hate myself, and that's why I call myself Murderbot in my own head. Um, And the, a couple times I've said that out loud to people, they, like, freak out. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> everyone else is like, oh, sec unit and Murderbot's, like, Murderbot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, like, any time Murderbot has these feelings of, like, sameness to something else it like really freaks out about it um and so i I think like it's comparison of itself to humans and then to augmented humans which it's arguably more similar to is like a real point of sort of cognitive dissonance for itself um which i think this fic really explores and like the remainder of like the Murderbot series as books also really explores and i find it super interesting i think a lot of the time we encounter robots, android cyborgs, whatever who like either like want to be human or are like I don't know, just more fascinated with the human condition. And I feel like Murderbot is like fascinated with the human condition because it like is necessary for its functioning as a being and like to be able to do work and work with them. But not because Murderbot is like, I want to be human. In fact, every time like people compare Murderbot to humans, Murderbot's like, uh-uh-uh,
1: <laughs> don't get that shit near <laughs> <Yeah>. me.
2: <laughs> um, I'm not one of you. Uh, so I think like, yeah, it, it's sort of feelings about Dr. Grothin in particular are, are really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really like how, how this series and how this fic positions Murderbot within the world of bots and augmented humans and humans. Um because Murderbot's, like, you know, internal narration, like, it's not robotic in the sense that, like, we usually use of that term. Like, it's very funny. It's very engaging. It's very endearing. Like, you become a fan of Murderbot very quickly, I feel like, and you enjoy spending time with it in its head. Um, And it doesn't feel, like, cold or harsh or any of the other words we usually, like, pr- put on to, like, kind of robo- robotic and mechanical things. Um, But at the same time, like, it's not it doesn't view itself as human, nor does it want to be. It does want to watch dramas about them, but yeah. that's a whole different thing.
1: When I was reading this fic, uh, part of the reason why I was like, oh, I want to bring this is I was like, I know that Brenna is going to love talking about like humanity and robots and the intersection between them. <laughs> what?
0: What? We drop fics like this at Brenna's doorstep, like, like mice. And we're <laughs> like, <laughs> hey,
1: a little gift for you. <laughs> But there's like there's a bit that I want to read that to me was so much the heart of this fic um, where so murder bot for a solid portion of this fic is just like in a cubicle basically waiting to figure out what's going to happen to it. Um, And in order to pass the time, it bribes a um, monitor bot by being like, do you want to? Do you want to watch some TV with me? And the bot is like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and towards the sort of end ish of the fic, Murderbot basically tries to ask it, like, do you have a sense of identity? Like, what does that mean to you? And the bot spits back, like, I have no meat parts. You have much more meat parts than me. Um, and the fic reads, Although personally, I didn't think the number of meat parts I was carrying around should matter. If I had one less, would Dr. Mensa at all still be as concerned about my independence? What about ten less? How many fewer before I was supposed to stop asking these questions? Such a fucking good line. And like I said, it really just felt like the heart of this fic and like the question that this fic was trying to tackle, even at least in some small way. Like it does not get solved. Murderbot does not immediately like have its identity figured out and know like how it wants to navigate this sort of in-between place between sec unit and humans. But like. No,
0: Murderbot immediately was like, I'm a Pisces. And <laughs> that's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I love that line, too. It stood out to me quite a lot. I really liked that, like, ongoing progression with the monitor bot. Initially, Murderbot is like, hmm, how do I distract this bot from literally the task it was built for? Um, And that idea of, like, tasks you were built or created for, I think is also really interesting with robot lit, if you will, um, as well as Murderbot specifically. Um, And initially, Murderbot is like, yeah, like, bots are really good with (laughs) if-then. Uh, like, logical reasoning. So, hey, if you don't sound the alarms when I move around a little bit, then you can hear a story from me instead of having to go through and, like, count all of the people in these cubicles over and over and over again. And then by the end, yeah, they're having this, like, really interesting conversation where Murderbot is carrying a lot of it, um, but also is curious and is kind of, like, seeking and reaching out. And I think the framing of this story, in hindsight especially, makes it all quite melancholy, um, I don't know. I'd be curious, too, how that was on a reread for you, Reed, if you reread it. I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, Just, like, if knowing how the fic ends made anything hit differently as you were going through.
1: And actually, I don't think it made it melancholy in part because... Okay, so I guess for context for the framing of this fic, as mentioned, it slots in between chapters 7 and 8. Um, Chapter 7 of All Systems Red is... Preservation Ox and Murderbot fleeing the planet where lots of disasters have just happened. Murderbot's in very bad shape. And chapter eight is Murderbot waking up in a cubicle and um, Pinley, one of the members uh, of Preservation Ox, being like, Congrats, uh, we've bought you. Um, Dr. Mentz is going to be your guardian. Now, time to leave. And you still get to have your governor module intact. Like, we have made sure that you get to remain as you as possible.
0: Um, but how could all of that have happened? If Murderbot was unconscious in Chapter 7 and then woke up in Chapter 8.
1: What? Yeah. Um. So this chapter is basically um, because it, it mentions that there was a court case and that's how Preservation Ox was able to let Murderbot still be Murderbot. So this chapter sort of like explores that. It's Murderbot waking up. It's the court case happening. It's all of these internal feelings Murderbot is having about like how it's going to navigate the world after this. Um. And what the court case in this fic ends up ruling is that, yes, okay, Preservation Ox gets to keep Murderbot, um, and they won't wipe any of its memories from like the time that it was on this like planet, but they're going to wipe the past like, two-ish weeks that it's been in this cubicle while the court case was happening, um, which basically is how it wakes up in Chapter 8, not having remembered that any of this happened. Um, but I don't know. I think it was the reason it was not melancholy to me is because even though the two weeks get erased, Murderbot basically like sets little like clues for itself within its media it tags certain episodes of Sanctuary Moon that are really about like identity and navigating the world like the things that kind of set it down this path of thinking in the first place um and it very much says to Dr. Mensa, like if I had this line of thinking once before I'll have it again I'm sure I don't know I thought it was such a good way to end the fic actually because I think I don't know, if it just ends and the memory was wiped, I'd be like, oh, no, that feels unsatisfying. It feels like we've just gotten back to the start of the fic and what was all that for? But because it sort of has already thought about, well, what am I going to do when my memory is wiped and how can I sort of set myself down this pack of path of thinking again and maybe do it with slightly less angst or like a little bit more guidance for my past self? I found it kind of hopeful, actually.
2: I really loved Murderbot's interactions with the other little monitor bot. Um... In general, I really love reading Murderbot's interactions with the other bots. I think probably more so than Murderbot's interactions with its humans in the books to a large extent. I have to say, like, its humans are really some of the best humans in a lot of, like, (laughs) sort of, you know, (laughs) robot and android-based media. Like, they're incredibly caring and just very, like, smart, like, people who you enjoy reading about. Um... But bot has a much easier time communicating with other bots, um, I think, because it just doesn't feel as stressed about it and, like, what those conversations, like, mean. There isn't, like, this hidden layer of meaning in its, like, conversations with bots that it feels like it's always stressed out about with its conversations with humans. Um And, you know... These conversations, like, really range in sort of complexity depending on, like, the other bot it's talking to and, like, what its memory processing is like and stuff. Um, and, like, it's just what its capacity for conversation exists as. Um, but this one was just, like, so cute and I feel, like, so indicative of, like, how... Murderbot like approaches these things which is often like okay well I need this bot to like do me a favor and I can get it from a bot better than I could get it from like a human or something and like honestly bots are usually the ones doing these like relatively menial tasks that Murderbot like needs something from but then it almost always is like building some sort of like pseudo friendship or at least like acquaintanceship with these bots um And I don't know, I just find it, like, really charming, especially because Murderbot never goes in with this feeling of, like, I need to liberate you from your job. Because honestly, like, Murderbot likes its job. It's what it's really good at. And it's, like, satisfying to perform well at its functions. Um... It just also wants to be able to, like, watch TV and shit, like, while doing it, which, like, huge mood. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I feel like I really like how much respect Murderbot has for the other bots, too. It's never, like, I need to free you all because, like, you're enslaved in this horrible, like, system. It's very much just, like, treats it as other little beings and, like, yeah, what can it get out of them? But that's because, like, <laughs> I don't know, it, needs, it needs stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I just always find those like interactions really endearing, and I thought this fic like, did a really great job of introducing that sort of like little bot OC who was very charming.
0: Yeah, totally, and it's very accurate to what happens later on um, in the Murderbot series, where mm-hmm. Murderbot continues to interact with more other bots, some of which have quite different functions to itself, some of which have different capabilities, different shapes. Um, it's just really, really cool, yeah, and it is fun to see... I think so much – I took a class on this in undergrad. So much robot media is focused on robots being, like, fixated on overturning and destroying humanity. And it's kind of nice to read a robot that's just kind of unbothered. Like, <laughs> yeah. right? like I am a robot. You are people. I'm going to do my robot thing. Um, my murder bot thing, perhaps. My sec unit thing. Like, I don't know. It, it's nice to – get to read something that still has stakes and is still, like, interesting and engaging to read. And like Bren said, the novellas and such and and this fic, I think, all are, like, really the exact right length to tell the stories they're trying to tell. Um, But the greater conflict is not necessarily contrived or cliche or even like particularly easy to like predict like if i pick up network effect right now i haven't read the jacket i don't know what's in there oh yeah (laughs) they're pretty contained stories um so i'm excited to find out what goes on um but i don't imagine it will be murderbot being like it is time to shrug off the yoke of humanity fellow robots let's go (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think not only does this fic slot in well with the Murderbot series in terms of like linguistic choices and characterization choices, but also thematically in a way that I really appreciated, because that's so often what we're looking for with fic, right? That we're finding those same themes that we appreciated in the source material, just more.
1: I had so much fun with this conversation. I had so much fun with this fic. Um, it really is making me want to... I also don't know, actually, if I'm on three or four in the series, but it's making me want to return to Murderbot... Um, my pitch for you, if you are someone listening to this who has not consumed any of the Murderbot series, is that I have just looked it up on Libby and All Systems Red is only three hours. Like, they're short. They're novellas. Um, they are absolutely delightful. And if you get into the Murderbot series, you too could be reading prime fan fiction like this one by AO3 user Eye on the Sparrow. Um, so you should come join us in our little corner where we love Murderbot. Both these stories are about contract issues. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Brenna, tell us about your faith. <laughs>
2: Alright, so my fic for this week is Psycho Pompeii by Eastling. I am realizing now that both this and the previous fic were from Yuletide 2017. Go Yuletide 2017. (laughs) We are fans. Um, This is a fic tagged for the fandom Ancient Pompeii Graffiti. Um, It does have a ship tagged it's like largely about friendship but like friendship that is so deep and devoted perhaps we would label it with other terms but like we don't really know that explicitly it's about a very devotional relationship between two people so the notes at the beginning of the fic say we two dear men friends forever were here if you want to know our names they are Gaius and Aulus graffiti left by a tavern in ancient Pompeii and that sort of is the jumping off point for this fic um I don't really have any, like, content warnings for this other than, like, an underworld. Like, it's about, it is uh, sensibly about, like, death, but, like, it's not. I really thought you were going
1: to content warn for Pompeii.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Content warning, the destruction of Pompeii. Um, No, it's not even on screen. (laughs) Oh, Uh, boy. Content warning, off-screen destruction of Pompeii. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, not really much in the way of content warnings. Like it is ostensibly a major character death, but like uh in like the loosest possible way. Um <laughs> in the yeah. sense that people who die just are in a different location in right. the underworld. Right. And it's like kind of shitty down there, ostensibly. Um so this fic uh basically is set um, in the aftermath of uh, the eruption of Pompeii. Um, One of our men has died and gone to the underworld and the other one embarks on a odyssey to kind of not necessarily retrieve him, but like continue their dedication and like promise to their friend. Um, This is told in like little snippets from different mythological characters uh, who are in the underworld. I really loved it. It was so cleverly told. I was worried that this wasn't going to have enough for us to like discuss as a fic click part. But then I was like, wait, my co hosts like mythology, especially Reed, like there will be things to say. Um, And I think this is just like, I don't know, it was really clever and endearing. And I just really enjoyed this little fic.
1: Yeah, if um, me bringing a murder bot fic was like, me being a cat leaving a mouse at Brenna's doorstep—it was yeah. uh, while I was on my way to Brenna's apartment, she was on her way to mine
0: <laughs> to leave this for you yeah. and me. I think Ficklets who didn't know would not have guessed
2: correctly the distribution of who brought what. This episode, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This almost could have been like. uh host wreck exchange episode. like <laughs> honestly <guess. laughs> now
0: that we've done both directions and one of them twice now i just bring one for myself and
2: youtube and it for each other <laughs> well we're all locked to fans so yeah. it's just a communal gift That's
1: true, exactly true. um yeah predictably i absolutely loved this yeah i i love greek myth i loved this take sort of on some very familiar figures of mythology and like mythological i almost said mythological tropes that's not right but you know what close (laughs) enough um i thought the framing of it as like all of these different letters um was so good and clever like it progressed the story through other people's povs but it did so in a way that was like really effective um and is i think like something i haven't really seen that much or or ever i don't know um I also, I just love the contrast of, because I was thinking about these both as Yuletide fix I hadn't realized they were both from 2017. But like, I love that there's like a couple different camps of what I consider like quintessential Yuletide fandoms. And there's like something like a Murderbot, which is a series that exists that maybe just like, isn't super well-known or just like, doesn't have a lot of fan fiction for it. But it's like media, a, a more traditional thing that people would think of as having fan fiction. It just doesn't have a lot. And then you have this ancient Pompeii graffiti, (laughs) and it's like, is this a fandom? I don't know, but there are at least two people in the world who are on AO3 who wanted a story about it, and I love that so much. Um, Like, I sort of love the contrast of these two as both being Yuletide stories. Uh, Yeah, just, like, really had such a good time with this one, and I'm excited to talk about our good friends, Gaius and Aulis.
0: Hell yeah. Um, This fic was a blast, no volcano pun intended. Um, I really... (laughs)
1: And brenna's face says skepticism on if the no pun <laughs> intended yeah. is truthful
0: i'm sorry i lied it was intended Yeah, it was funny. So. <laughs> it's kind of funny um yeah it was so fun it was so good uh this is a very short fic it's like under 2k um i would i think any of you could read this ficlets so i'm speaking to you directly you you certainly don't need context on like the scrap of text (laughs) that this is based on. Having a little bit of Greek mythology knowledge would certainly help. It's not hard to look up. There was a point where I was like, who, what does this name go to again? Found it very easily. Um, Yeah, woodwreck. This is such like a, hmm. It's not quite epistolary. Um, It is another kind of first person POV fic. So everyone is hyped about that. Great episode for me specifically. um, Someone who enjoys this. I think the so the format is basically like each section or each scene of the fic is a recounting of the character who encountered our protagonist at that point in his journey through the underworld. And I think that this could have very easily been kind of a slog. Like, they could have felt very similar to one another. The sections could have been um, very, like, I don't know if didactic is the right word necessarily, but very much like, this is exactly what happened. I guess expository. Um, And instead, we got these really rich scenes that did so much character work not only for our main dude but also for each of the individual uh people mostly <laughs> that came across him. So I loved that. I thought it was super great. I loved getting reminded at the end that this is based on like graffiti um and getting that little scrap of it. It was just fun. It was decently easy to follow without being overly explanatory. I don't know, it's a well-written story. Sometimes you're just like, it was good. That is what I have to say in my initial thoughts.
2: Yeah, I think like so many stories are quest stories and particularly like Journey to the Underworld stories are like, they are quest stories. (laughs) Um, Almost no story about the underworld is just like, and I went there. (laughs) okay (laughs) it was cool (laughs) like you're going there for something and like i feel like often it is to retrieve someone or something like that um i like that this one had a twist on that from the inception like it's not necessarily that he's going to retrieve someone he's definitely going to find someone but like then what is going to do with him we like we don't we don't really know for sure until the end because we also like aren't hearing anything from him we're hearing things from like everyone who he encounters um And I don't know, I've I've been thinking a lot about quest stories lately because I feel like a lot of the books I read are quest stories because I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy and a lot of them are like people are going to find something or, you know, some other sort of form of a quest. And I think that they can feel really repetitive. And I like that this one didn't. Honestly, this was sort of a really refreshing little, (laughs) like, I don't know, you know, the little, like, you know, like at a fancy meal, I've never had this palate pal- cleanser, palate cleanser. <laughs> I got you. Yes. This was like a wonderful, refreshing little palate cleanser Um, in the middle of reading overly long fantasy books that are freaking repetitive about their quests. Um, and it was just so interesting to like see it from all these outside perspectives. I really loved that. And like what each of these characters took away from like encountering our main character, who's like going on the quest. um, I felt like that just brought a really interesting, like other dimension to it. Like, I don't know, it's like if in Lord of the Rings, like instead of being from like, like, you know, walking along it with like Sam and Frodo going to Mordor, it was just like everyone who they met, like pondering Sam and Frodo. <laughs> and I really like like that. Like we never really kind of get to check back in on people in like quest stories, or like has our main character like changed the people that they've encountered like the people they encounter often change our main character but like what about the other way around and I kind of like that about this like it's not necessarily changing these people but like it's been enough of an impact that they all had to like write letters or like (laughs) recount the experience in written form like put it into words in some way um yeah it just felt like a very very clever like I don't know everyone's always trying to do like twists on things like a hot new take on this kind of story and like I thought this one actually worked really well.
1: I'm kind of obsessed with the comparison to Lord of the Rings because um, one of the things about this quest and this journey as Gaius is like going through the underworld is like he is just some dude. Um, And I know that for like Frodo, just some dude derogatory if you're Nick, who is a noted Frodo anti. Um, But he sucks.
0: (laughs) Sorry to all the Frodo lovers in the audience. I think they're probably a lot,
1: actually. (laughs) Um, But, like, I don't know. Gaius' whole thing is, like, he's not extraordinarily clever and witty or, like, blessed by the gods or whatever. Like, he's he's just a guy who made a promise to his friend and intends on keeping it. And, I mean, like, you know, there's something to be said for the um, levels of devotion that he's going to that makes him maybe, like, a little bit more than ordinary, but... I don't know. In Persephone's, could be said for Sam, <clears throat> exactly. He's he's much more of a Sam who we do love and respect. Um, Sam's fine. Okay. Sam's the best. I wasn't sure what Nick's feelings on Sam were.
0: Sam is the best, but that's <laughs> that doesn't say that much. It says a lot for me personally <laughs> as a Lord <laughs> of the Rings watcher. It's just Frodo lies down.
1: <laughs> Would you not like, also like, lie down die. if you were like walking forever to Mordor? Not like that.
0: He's like. <laughs> little clown but like would you
1: actually do any better you'd be walking in like horrible conditions all the time you have no fight training i
0: would do better i would look like less of an effing dork (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure i'd be more effective but at least i wouldn't look like a loser
1: okay but lord of the rings feelings and opinions aside um like what i what i was saying about gaius being like just some guy is that um in persephone's letter to hades like she talks about how when Gaius finally makes his way to her, she's like, how like, okay, Orpheus already came and did this, right? We've had people come and argue for like why they shouldn't have been um like parted from their lover like what makes you different And he's like, I mean, like nothing. I'm not Orpheus. I'm not trying to be Orpheus. I'm not trying to be someone whose name goes down in history as being so talented and this and that like I just made a promise and now I have to keep the promise and she's like, well, my job really isn't like contract law, so I guess you can go be someone else's problem, which was Brenna's reference in the um, <laughs> transition there, um, which I just I don't know. I loved like I think it's maybe why this felt refreshing is because it's like not a big hero or a faded or a chosen one. It's like just two good friends.
0: Yeah, there's something really beautiful about like I'm not here to be the hero. I'm just here to find my friend.
2: It's so Sam coded. I'm sorry. Like this whole thing is so Sam and
1: Frodo coded. I mean, I don't disagree with you, Brent. I'm just cracking I up know, at Nick's, Nick's expressions. Faces, but anyway, it's
2: fine.
0: <laughs> I won't be. Dissuaded. I'm gonna end up on people's least favorite podcaster lists after this discussion.
1: <laughs> if this is the one that does it, I'd be kind of surprised. Know if those exist.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, aside from Lord of the Rings, um, I am always going to have opinions and feelings about stories about grief and death and loss. Uh, we were just putting together our March Madness bracket for FitClick. Um, you've hopefully seen that by the time this comes out. Hey, how exciting! Hey. Um, Yeah, and one of the episodes that was mentioned more than once on our list was episode nine, Death is Not an Ending, which was my first birthday episode where I said, what is up, little ficlets? We've done eight episodes, and now I'm going to make us talk about only fics that have major character death. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. People needed to know what they were getting into. I think it's important. Um, I'm reading Legendborn by Tracy Dion right now. If it sounds like I've been reading a lot of books lately, it's because I have been. (laughs) Uh, But in Legendborn, before the book starts, um, our main character Bree's mother dies uh, very, very, very soon before the book starts. Um, And I have been reading a lot of books that have some kind of death right before the story, generally. Uh, Recently, it's been an interesting trend. And I was thinking earlier about how, like, I feel like most stories are about grief to some degree, but then the ones that are, like, explicitly about grief are actually about love. And I really am feeling that with this particular fic, how it's like, we're meant to be grieving, but at the same time, that grief is what is driving Gaius to come all the way down and be like, what's up? Uh, My friend is down here and I told him we'd be together forever. So sorry for the inconvenience, but I got to get down there. Um, And he does. And he's clever and smart, but this is not a fic about somebody outsmarting everyone or outplaying them or outlasting or outwinning. (laughs) Very little survivor. I know, <laughs> literally. Um, yeah. Um, it's just about this like enduring love that is very simple at its core. It's just like I love my friend, and I think that's like really beautiful. Actually, how did one point eight k make me this emotional about the power of friendship? We don't know. Uh, well, we do a little bit because we all read it, but yeah, I don't know. I just think there's something really meaningful in that and it's a theme that i've seen come up in so many different stories and it always hits me just a little bit differently depending on the framing i mean i would say that this is somewhat
2: a story about outsmarting um (laughs) like he does get through each of these sort of encounters that are moments at which he should be stopped from proceeding along his journey by kind of outsmarting certain characters i mean not all of them like the encounter that he has with sisyphus and tantalus like is very much just like yeah we like this dude we're reading for him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hell yeah stick it to the man
1: literally they were like he he gave us a rest. He gave us some like food and water and a break from rolling this goddamn boulder up the hill. And we knew that he was doing these things just so he could get by. And like, that's fine. We liked it. Yeah, and we
2: loved it. <laughs> yeah, the end is like, even if we never escape, we've decided that we're quite all right with this fellow getting his friend back. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're definitely not all about like trickery and cleverness. But, you know, he definitely gets down there by being sort of like outsmarting people a little bit. Um, And not But, like, the motivation is so pure. I don't know. It, like, really does feel different in a way. Um, I just thought it's so lovely. And it was just making me think of, like, what was the other one that we read? The Gates? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm,
0: Yeah. And, like, that one is very much, like...
2: Yeah, we're like seeing the first person viewpoint of like going through all of these kind of similar challenges to like get to someone in the underworld. Um, but it's, I don't know, these feel like they pair really nicely together because they're completely from like the opposite perspectives of a somewhat similar story. Um so I was I was thinking about that a lot too I really love when we like can bring fix that are in conversation with like other fix that we've brought because I feel like so much of fan fiction is in conversation with it like itself and I think the other thing about this that made it feel solidly fan y to me was that like, Maybe Ancient Pompeii Graffiti isn't, like, a fandom with a capital <laughs> F, but, like, uh-huh. it's also taking so many other bits of stories, and, like, it's also just riffing on stories as kind of a thing in so many ways, and that feels so purely, like, fan fiction based to me in a way that I really loved. I think also, like, this could very easily be, like, published, you know, as, like, a short story in some yes. magazine or, like, journal, you know? Um I love that as well. Like it really rides that line in a really like fun and exciting way. Um, The end was also really sweet. I definitely want to talk about that. But maybe we like end with it. Um, Yeah.
0: I just wanted to really quickly say that I know it's not a fandom with a capital F. It is wrangled under Classical Greece and Rome History and Literature RPF, which does have 640 works. That is fair. A lot of them appear to be about uh, Mark Antony.
1: Fascinating. And All right.
2: Alexander the Great. All right. Let's go. Mark Antony Hive. No, No, do That's nothing.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's anything, friend. <laughs> Who are you calling out to? <laughs> the,
1: the Mark Antony
0: Mark
2: Antony Hive.
1: Antony, I guess. Oh, boy. I actually um, was thinking a bunch about, like, the... So, like, my first note for this fic was, like... You know, the pull from like what the actual graffiti is, like the we two dear friends, etc. Or we two dear men. Um, And my, my little note for it is there is something so good and emotional about the patterns of humanity, the comfort that our basic desires to exist, to immortalize one short moment of your life, to be a little shithead with your friend have always been the same. And I was just thinking about that as Bren was just saying, like, I don't know, like stories in conversation with each other and this sort of being a quote unquote fandom that people are gravitating towards. um, I find it both endearing and also like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the graffiti itself is something like I could easily be emotional about um, that people sort of like always are and will be the same in some way that feels very connecting at the end of
2: the fic, the last person that Alice and Gaius encounter is Hermes. And he's sort of like, all right, you two did it. I mean, Not maybe that congratulatory, but he's like, well, I'm not going to break you up now. Like you made it this far. Congrats. But like, you know, you can't go back to Earth, right? Um, and so they kind of get sent up into the stars. And we can kind of interpret that whatever way we want, I think. Um, but at the very end, It reads, a message left scratched into stone on the dark side of the moon. We two, dear travelers, friends forever, were here. If you want to know our names, you are out of luck. We will be trying new ones for a while now, but there will always be two and you will always see them together. Which is like, I don't know. It's so lovely. Uh (laughs) Um, And yeah, I just I like that repetition, too, of the sort of like marking of your existence in some way and like I don't know my interpretation of this was that they've sort of became stars um that are always spotted together in the night sky uh and like that as sort of another mark of existence and how people look to the stars as a mark of our existence and what's beyond
1: um so I just really like that ending it was making me think about um spirit and how like when yeah. you like when you finally help a spirit pass through the gate um they become a constellation in the sky and like you can on your little ship like kind of look up and you can see the shape of all of the people that you've helped uh move forward and i
2: just need to play this game it's
1: really good i think you would really like it it. yeah I should. I
2: should. You would probably feel like more emotional about the story aspects than I do because that's who we are as people. And I feel like yeah. really passionate about how to organize my ship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not like maximizing the amount of time that I'm spinning nebula thread into like nebula like cloth, I know
2: my my no. freaking grain windmill. Like I never feel like it's optimized. <laughs> my grain windmill is. A I was nightmare. playing Stardew Valley the other night, and my farm is a
0: mess. But I have a beautiful wife, and I go to the mines. And right. I, work I hard. have never <laughs>
2: like even gotten engaged or married or. Or whatever in any of my three farms but they're like fully developed farms. <laughs> You're busy. I am. I love farming.
1: Okay, I do just need to shout out this one bit that was like really making me laugh. Um one yeah, of please. the earlier letters and POVs that we get is from Cerberus who is the three-headed dog that uh, guards the underworld. And the way that it's framed is um the account of Cerberus as later translated by Hermes of Infinite Language. Which is such a lovely and eloquent way of saying that Hermes casts speak with animals, um, and then was chilling with a dog or like for a tongues. bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That bit in particular was just like really cracking me up. That it seems like so like ooh, look at this account, and it's like you're talking to a dog. You're giving us a dog's <laughs> letter, and that's very funny.
0: It's cute. Can I read a tiny bit from Cerberus's section, please? Yeah, just- just the very last bit, um, he said he admired my loyalty and asked me what I would do if my master and mistress were in danger taken away from me. While I was thinking about that, he slipped on by. My lord and lady, please, I've been a good boy. I'm sorry I let a living man into your realm, but he smelled like faith and devotion." Which is like so good. It's such a really like clever poetic little twist at the end when the rest of it is like, he said I was a good boy. I ran over to lick him before I dismembered him and he <laughs> threw a ball. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's
0: great.
2: Right. So this was actually like a really gentle and lovely journey through the underworld, along with our characters Gaius and Ailas from Ancient Pompeii. Um, I would invite you to take this journey with them as well. It's such an endearing fic that I think is also very thought-provoking, especially if you like kind of quest and myth stories, especially if you were maybe like an ancient Greece slash Rome slash myth kid. <laughs> um, yeah, I just really love this. I thought it was incredibly clever from a user Eastling.
1: Brenna's fic is a really lovely musing about death. In Nick's fic, Gideon frequently wishes for death because she's kind of tired of her mall job working at Spencer's. Nick? <laughs> My
0: fic for this episode is "And a Partridge in a Pear Tree" by Ao3 user Strange Hunger for the Locked Tomb series, specifically Gideon the Ninth. Our main ship is Gideon slash Harrow, affectionately known as Griddlehark, uh, which you wouldn't necessarily get from their first names, but that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm gonna give the Vaguest background in the locked tomb because this is such an AU. Um, I think it's valuable to know a little bit, but I'm not going to get too much into the details. Um, I was just like, go read the book if you want. That's like not a small undertaking. I <laughs> feel like you should. But um, yeah, so in the locked tomb, Gideon and Harrow both grow up uh, on the planet of uh, the Ninth and harrow is like a little, say a little princess diva that's not true <laughs> um she is kind of royalty though and gideon is sort of a prisoner and also sort of just like i don't know a an unintentional refugee that got yeeted by her mom this is not important both of them are on the ninth and they're pretty much the only people their age around They get invited to Canaan House, uh, the first, which is a location where they're going to learn how to do more fancy necromancy things. Uh, The Locked Tomb series is sci-fi fantasy. And there is a lot of magic happening with bones. There, they meet representatives of other houses um, and on other planets. So you have uh, lots of other different pairs of folks, one of which is more of like little magic-y lad, <laughs> gender neutral, uh, the other of which waves around a sword, usually.
1: Oh, oh. So... Oh. But I was also very confused. <gasps> we're not had by the your...
0: same level of confusion about what you were talking about. I'm explaining about for a it well. This is not bode well for people who have not read it.
2: <laughs> the People who have read it are like, what are you talking about? I was about? like, which character's a little magicy lad? I also No, thought that's no, how sorry. You were Each pair character consists
0: of a magic user and a fighter.
2: <laughs> a necromancer, to be specific. Yes.
0: Well, yeah, but I'm trying to make it understandable. Hey, right, but it's not like
2: they're talking the between like, like a little like wind <laughs> charms and shit. Like they should be. Bones. It's fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Like blood and flesh. Okay, (laughs) listen. All you need to know is that all of pretty Yeah, no. All of the characters that are in this mall AU working mall jobs are either magic user necromancers or fighters in Gideon the Ninth, and they are generally paired off. Aside from the third house, who are freaks, where you have the twins and Niberius, all of whom are delightfully horrible. Um, Correct. We love to hate them, and we hate to love them. That's not true. We love to love them as well. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Yes. Um. So you have all these characters, some of which have very complicated relationships with one another. There's a lot of like competitiveness going on in the actual book because it is kind of a competition to get to the answers first. Um, And in this fic, they are all mall employees who know each other because they all work at the mall. (laughs) Um, Some of them work at the same stores, some work at different ones. This feels so fanfiction to me, like, ooh, like, which store do you think this character would work at? Which store would this character work at? (laughs) (laughs) Haha, wouldn't this be so funny? Oh, like, let's make it into a fic. Uh, Ao3 is your strange hunger. I hope you had so much fun writing this because it really felt like you did. Um, In the fic, Gideon works at Spencer's, Harrow works at Hot Topic. Um, a lot of the other folks work at different stores that are, I think, pretty fitting generally. And this is a fic set around the winter holidays. It is a Christmas fic. Um, it is a secret Santa fic, specifically. The mall employees do a secret Santa exchange. Gideon pulls Harrow, like right before the start of the fic or around the start of it. And has a massive crisis about how to get a nice gift for the girl she likes, who she also has a deeply combative, sarcastic relationship with. It's 20k. I think it goes pretty quick. Um, Lots of fun. I was glad that it was this long. I really enjoyed getting to stay in this world for a little bit longer than I think I might have expected to with just like a you for the Secret Santa. Um, Yeah, I have a lot more to say about it, but that is my uh, overview. I don't think there are any content warnings for this fic, it's a mall au um they do smoke cigarettes uh gideon specifically especially and uh the teens the little, little teens imp- it's implied that they drink so implied underage drinking i suppose is your primary content warning for this story it's pretty light-hearted all right without further ado co-hosts what did you think of this fic that i brought
2: yeah, I had an absolute blast. I think I'd seen this in the tag before and like not opened it because honestly, I was like, Ugh, "Like this is gonna be so AU." And sometimes when you pull characters out of such a particular situational context, like the locked tomb is, like they can get pretty OOC pretty fast because it's like how are you supposed to translate certain character traits that are like so fundamental to like the original canon? But this author did it and I yeah. was working at Hot Topic. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I was just like, it was so fun to read. It's been a while since I read a fan fiction that was just like so funny and like really was m- making me laugh. Um and yet also, like, felt very amazingly true to character Um, in, like, a wildly different context. It's also been a really long time since I read a mall AU. I think any that I read were probably in the first couple years of me being in fandom, and I don't think I've read one since. So, yeah, it was just, like, a fun thing to kind of revisit. I feel like, probably similarly to you two, the mall that they work at is very clearly in my head the mall that I grew up going to. Uh-huh. Um. Which is, like, funny because I've, like, organized things in a very particular way.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, which is funny because we Um, all grew up in different locations, too. So the fact that we all are so easily able to map onto the experience, I think, really says something.
2: Yeah, and, like, not all of these stores that are listed in this uh Fic were at the mall that I grew up going to, but Hot Topic was. So that's like my central point in my brain and then everything is mapped around it. Um, yeah, this was really funny and I had the best time. Um yeah, I I like we'll get more into it as we go along. Yeah, just surprisingly wonderful.
0: Yeah. I would like to quickly note that at the mall I grew up near uh, the
2: Spencer's was directly across from the pretzel place. Mm. So I've been mm. having a fun time thinking about that. There was I don't think there was a Spencer's at mine. Um, Forever 21 was directly across from Hot Topic. So I've been making that into a Spencer's in my head. <laughs> That'll do.
1: Yeah, just echoing all of this, this was such a delightful and funny fic. Yeah, I also was very pleasantly surprised by how in character they were. Like, they felt so familiar and good in this, like, whack and unfamiliar setting for them. Um, and yeah, like much like Brenna, I, I'm i sure I did read Malayu's in my early fandoming, although I can't recall a single one. Like, I must have at some point. But it's been probably a decade. Um, and this hit, like, everything I could have wanted or expected out of a Malayu, especially one that's centered around a secret Santa I was, like, cracking up before I even started the fic, because for once I looked at tags, I it's kind of like a maybe 25% chance on if I read tags for a fic, especially if it's a fic-click one. Why am I looking at the tags? I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, as Nick said, uh, is tagged for literally everyone works in the same mall, and I am the god of that mall. And that was cracking me up, because I think in any other fandom... I would just be like, oh, you're playing God because you're replacing characters in a silly little AU. But in this case, the implication is that this AO3 user is this universe's version of Jod. And that is deeply (laughs) hysterical to me. AO3 user Strange Hunger, I'm sure um, if you are God, you're doing a much better job of it than John was, is, whatever.
2: God, this is just making me realize that one of the only characters that we don't, like we don't see any of the like you know other lictors in Mm -hmm. this fic and we also don't meet Jod which is like fair but also imagining Jod is like I don't know the owner of like this mall complex or something is absolutely hysterical to me
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah I yes I do have like lots of things I'm excited to talk about but mostly I think just emphasizing how like good and laugh out loud funny this fic was I feel like even for maybe Brenna and I's fics being like slightly quote unquote, heavier in theme, I feel like we kind of brought like three fairly uplifting fix, which is nice. That does not always happen. In fact, I feel like these days it rarely happens. So to go back to palette cleanser, this was nice just in that it was nice to have something so funny and like purely delightful to talk about on the pod. Yeah,
0: Um, I do want to note as well that I saw this recommended on the Rec Center newsletter. Um, so shout out to that. It's super great. Highly recommend uh, getting those emails. Just I think you can just look up the rec center um, and it should come up. It's real fun. They do themed lists. And this one came up, I think, for their holiday rec list, maybe, or FM slash <laughs> one. I don't remember. I was digging through very old emails looking for something to bring. <laughs> <laughs> and i got lucky I, i lucked out so that was exciting um yes so appreciate the person who recommended that and the rec center newsletter for existing and making my life easier um one of the reasons i did want to bring it too was because of the characterization one of my favorite things about this fic is how much the dialogue feels like it is in the spirit of the locked tomb Tamsin mirror and we've talked about this i think when bren brought um I don't remember the Recognize name of them.
1: Recognize them by their fruits. By something oh, hell yes. vulpine. Hell wow. vulpine, maybe. Oh, goddamn. Oh my god. A scholar of the pod. I hope that's the right author. <laughs> I was misattributed <laughs> it
0: randomly. <laughs> yes, remember them by their fruits. Recognize. Um,
1: Recognize them by their fruits. Oh, I don't know anymore.
0: <laughs> uh the fruit the fruit fic about yeah. It
1: is Cerulean Volpine. Wow. <laughs> nice.
0: The, the Dude, what? <laughs>
1: that
0: maybe harkens a different like idea of what that fic would be like yeah. or about.
1: I can't believe before we got on mic, I was like trying to like find something in my room, but I also had something else to do. So the entire time I was like throwing clothes around my room i was like muttering to myself like put the food back mm-hmm. in the fridge put the food back in the fridge because i thought i was going to forget if i didn't repeat it on loop for five minutes straight but this <laughs> yes. i just pulled from the depths of my brain I'm like i know <laughs> yeah. i
0: know no i love it that's great yeah thank you yeah you're um, so welcome. anyway all i wanted to say is that when we talked about that fic as well we talked about how the locked tomb series of books has such a specific like narrative voice. Tamsin Muir is so specific. It's very fun. It's very funky. It's quirky. It's a little heartbreaking, but it's also funny. Um, and while this fic does not read like the locked tomb, or should it have as a mall <laughs> AU, I think it- can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it maintained so much of the spirit of that. And a lot of the lightness and the lightheartedness is like snarky humor that is edged occasionally with this like pining that we get from Gideon. There's not really a sadness, but we definitely get extremely gay yearning, which feels accurate. Um, yeah, I just thought that it was so I same thing really that I was saying with Reed's fic. Like when you're able to bring in like some of the same... I guess in this case, not only really thematic elements necessarily, but elements of figurative language and elements of tone. It just is such a joy to get more of that from a universe you already love and a source material you already love.
1: Yeah, to the point of stellar characterization, Um, uh, we're in Gideon's POV and like obviously she's great, but I think one of my favorite sort of side characters, Um, he's still fairly present, is Palamedes, um, who works at the Barnes and Nobles. And pretty early on in the fic, Gideon finds out that in the secret Santa exchange, she has Harrow and it's causing her a lot of distress. So there's this whole scene where she's like holding up the entire line of customers um, at the checkout line of Barnes and Noble um, while Palamines is working register. And the way that she's doing that is by very slowly and incorrectly signing up for a membership. Um, And there's this one line I pulled that like really I was like, oh, right off the bat, this is going to be so fun is... um, if it makes you feel better, said Palamedes, relaunching the membership application again after rejecting the email address boobsrus 69 at com. you aren't the <laughs> only one who wants to switch. I don't know if it was supposed to be Hotmail and if that was a typo, but I am choosing to believe that it no, was I... intentionally homemail. <laughs> I have it to believe to have it's been. intentional. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Um. like audibly laughing and Palamides of this whole thing is so like steadfast i think like honestly in the books he's a little bit more like tired of gideon's shit he seems much more patient with her here but he still retains that inherent palamnese-ness of him um there's the pining for dulcinea happening in the background which you find out because gideon's flirting with her like it's so good it is so good the fact that like the dynamics of the relationships remain so much the same every single thing about Coronabeth in this fic one hundred out of ten, perfect, no notes, <laughs> impeccably done. I feel so grateful as to like who
2: my favorites are in the locked tomb, and that they featured heavily here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I love Gideon and Harrow, but like outside of them, who I love, you know, like we got a lot of Camilla and Palamides who are like just the best. Um, we got a lot of the horrible twins who I am utterly obsessed with. Um, if you had asked me. Early on in my reading of Gideon, when they get to Canaan House and you meet everyone else, if I would be this obsessed with the Anthe, you would—I would have been like, "No, you're fucking crazy." And now I'm like, "I love her. She is yeah. sickening and horrible and wretched, An and I'm obsessed with her." Yeah, um, she cracked me up here. I yeah, I was everyone was so funny like it really took the humor of the locked tomb books and just like brought that to the forefront because there's nothing like terrible happening to these people um i feel like in the books it's usually like some really funny quippy lines mixed in with like just gut-wrenching like horrors and grief um and in this one it's like they have to buy secret santa presents (laughs) yeah so a lot of this fic, like, plot-wise is that Gideon has to get a Secret Santa gift for Harrow, is struggling and has gone to literally everyone she knows for advice. Some people you give her are terrible advice. Who are also in the Secret Santa. Right. Some yeah. people give her genuinely good advice. She takes mm. none of it. <laughs> and proceeds to, like, make a disaster um, of her life. So, that feels appropriate to Gideon. Um, gotta love
1: her. Uh... What a mess. (laughs) My wreck of a girl.
0: Yes. Yeah. Speaking of the advice, one of my very favorite sections gets into that explicitly. Um, I'm going to read for for a bit here, Ficklets, and indulge me. It's fun. So Gideon walks up to the pretzel stand where Corona Beth works, um, and Nabirius, who works at Abercrombie & Fitch, is also (laughs) hanging out. Um, So she walks up, and then we get this section. "'Gideon,' said Corona with glee. She batted her eyelashes and flashed that megawatt smile in Gideon's direction, the same one that had once driven a seasonal worker with celiac to buy half a dozen pretzels. He had been taken out by a paramedic, but it had probably been worth it. Let me guess, jalapeno cheddar? No. Sour cream and onion? No. Pizza? Caught under her siren spell, Gideon almost bought the entire menu. Instead, she ordered a cinnamon twist and a side of advice. Corona stood upright at that, towering over Gideon and Niberius alike. Advice? I'm great at advice. Bless her heart, she probably believed it, too. This was a horrible plan. It's so good. I
1: pulled those last, like, couple lines, too, because it's just like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's iconic. I am obsessed with um, the fact that Corona works at this pretzel stand because right when we started the fix, we find out like very early on that Harrow works at Hot Topic. And I went, okay, I'm going to stop reading here and I'm going to guess where I think everyone is working. And I was wrong on every single guess, although I had like all of the right stores, (laughs) like I had the right energy and the right spirit of it. Um, But What I had said for Corona specifically is Corona at a Lululemon, obviously. It felt obvious to me. It was not to this author. Lululemon is one of the only stores not in here. But I was like, I put the horrible teens like maybe at a middle kiosk or at Journeys. Like, you know, we were getting the vibe. (laughs) But what I loved actually about this fic is that Corona had been fired from so many different stores of higher standing, perhaps, because she was too beautiful and bad at her job. (laughs) i'm fucking obsessed like absolutely correct but like she's really good at working at this pretzel stand specifically because as in that paragraph nick just read um people want to buy stuff from her because she's very beautiful and they just kind of like want to do things that will let them be in her presence and also make her happy um but the idea that she just kept going through a string of jobs getting fired (laughs) so good
0: Yeah, I'd like to amend my uh, initial statement in our intro. I wouldn't get fired for being bad at my job. I would get fired for being too beautiful.
1: That's where I thought you were going, to be honest, because you were were taking a very Corona Beth um, take. I should have had more
2: confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of like, what jobs people have, I do have like, one small gripe with this author, um, which is that Magnus and Abigail don't feature very much, and I wish that they had featured more, although I understand that putting those two characters in a mall it does feel like doing them a disservice over <laughs> all of the others who kind of it's deserve true. to be there in, in various ways. <laughs> um like here's the thing palamedes i feel like has the best job in my personal book because he gets to work at a bookstore and that's deserved because he is the least mm, he's committed the least
1: crimes <laughs> he's yeah. also a huge nerd and would um, enjoy working in a bookstore
2: right right like magnus and abigail deserve to be professors off somewhere like not at the small but like also i missed them a bit because i love the pence um so that was my one gripe. But uh yeah, I just to go back a second, I thought one of the funniest parts to me were like in Gideon's like going around trying to ask people for advice on like what to buy she does go into the jewelry shop that Ianthe works for and is like looking around at all this jewelry and like looks at some little garnet earrings um and of course Ianthe deducts that she's shopping for Harrow and then is like you can't afford these our budget for Secret Santa is $25 get out of here Gideon (laughs) um but like in a mean way you know because it's Ianthe and then later on She's like, she finally like takes pity on Gideon because Gideon's been so goddamn pathetic about trying to get a gift that she's like, okay, like you could buy them, but you'll need a loan. So like here's a bank card. <laughs> um, and then at the end she's like, nope, uh, they were sold, and then like she has bought them or like is wearing them. We don't actually know that she bought them because it's a Yankee and she probably just like is wearing them to make Gideon feel bad about everything. But that trio of encounters was hysterical to me. Um, yeah. I loved it. I love Ianthe. She's the fucking worst. <laughs> the
0: Encounters with Ianthe also had very similar energy to the second house physically laughing Gideon out of REI, which to be fair, the thought of buying Harrow a gift from REI is extremely funny. <laughs> like, hey, tiny goth queen, do you want
2: this like hiking jacket? <laughs> I do also have to say one more little thing about the Iante stuff, and this is a spoiler for Nona, so like, if you haven't read Nona, stop listening for a few seconds. Um, but Gideon trying to buy Harrow jewelry is hysterical to me because of the friendship bracelet reveal between <laughs> Iante and <laughs> Curiona at the end of yeah.
1: Nona. Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. Totally. I was going to say that the second house, I did not try to predict where the second house were working, um, but I would have guessed wrong because I have never been in a mall that had an REI in it. And yet when there was the reveal that they were working in an REI, it was like that could not have been more perfect. Every single choice that this author made impeccable.
0: So after all of this agonizing that Gideon does, the advice that she asks for and does not take, the stores that she visits, the amount of times she like groans sadly as she's trying to figure out what to do, the secret Santa party does eventually come and we do not know. Uh, what Gideon has gotten for Hera, We just know that they're about to do the reveals. I want, side note, Hera was wearing a Santa hat that says Bah Humbug on it, and I could not be more obsessed with that. What a cute little fashion choice. Someone gave it to her, and I'm obsessed. They're so right, too. Um, right, so they they go around in a circle, and they start talking about who their secret Santas were. And by the time – Gideon is the last person, so by the time we get most of the way around the circle, Harrow seems to have figured it out. She's like, oh, okay, my secret Santa must have been Gideon. And before Gideon is even given the opportunity to be like, and I had Harrow, Harrow has left the room. So we're like, uh-oh, like, what did Gideon get her that made her mad or upset? Um, Naberius is the one that asks, wow, what did you get her? Which feels right for him and his pompous asshole energy. <laughs> So Gideon goes and follows Harrow and is like, girl, I love you. That's not true. She's like, hey, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just editorializing. Sorry, Strange (laughs) Hunger. She finds Harrow out on the fire escape where they have both spent quite a bit of time together in the past, different parties, and eventually we learn that Gideon did not get Harrow anything um i had expected this i think by this point that made it no less like impactful or satisfying to get to that moment like you know gideon's been having such a hard time you think or you would feel that in her pov if she figured it out you would be like ha, she got a great gift so knowing that she didn't tough and harrow of course is like i thought you might care about me just a tiny bit more than that it's a very awkward conversation in a way that felt very realistic and like grounded in their characters neither of them is going to be like and i love you and i'm weeping about it are you sure they didn't go i love you girl (laughs) i love you girl (laughs) no um that's not how it happened (laughs) Ay, yay, yay. Um, yeah, so Gideon's like, I didn't know what to get you, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually is like, I cared too much about you. And that was why I couldn't get you anything. Um, So sorry. And so they have this whole conversation where eventually it comes out that it's like, yeah, I actually like you so much. And I was overthinking this and it was stressing me out. And Hera's like, yeah, I was sad because I thought we were closer than you not getting me literally anything for the dumb secret Santa exchange. Like, I got Silas nightmare silas a gift and you didn't get me <laughs> anything that's pretty rough i have to be honest <laughs> that's a brutal um yeah so they end up uh getting together they have their like dramatic mid-sentence kiss on the fire escape it's very romantic i thought the pining and the yearning in this was like so good i really enjoyed it um but that is how the fig ends uh with them together i think we flash forward to new year's and they're like sharing pockets with harrow's cold little gremlin hands <laughs> iconic It's very sweet.
1: I will just briefly say I'm sitting here a little bit baffled because um, I like fully knew before we went into the party that Gideon had not gotten Harrow anything. And like Uh I knew that that was like I like this guilt had been weighing on her. But I'm not sitting here like. Oh, ho, like, I correctly predicted it. I'm sitting here like, did I misread? Because I'm not good at foreshadowing. I'm not good at picking up on jack shit. So the fact that you uh-huh. were like, oh, like, by the time we got to the circle reveal, I felt pretty confident. Uh-huh. I knew that, like...
0: You did a good job with foreshadowing, Yeah, actually. but I'm feeling like I Congrats, misread Reed. something
1: and then somehow ended up at the correct point anyway. Because, like, oh, maybe. I just was, like, fully, like, <laughs> yeah, like, this whole time I knew that Gideon did not have a gift for Harrow. I think it was meant to be a reveal, but... <laughs> I love that for you. I was so certain of it. And I, again, I really feel like this is one of those like wrong methods, right answer type situations. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our
0: discussion on and a partridge in a pear tree. I do feel like I'm doing it a disservice by not like pausing at the beginning. It's dot, dot, dot and a partridge in a pear tree um, as in the song. It's a great fic. It's so fun. If you've read The Locked Tomb, absolutely pick this up. I think you could have fun with it, even if you haven't. There just are a lot of characters, so you might get a little bit like, whoa, so many characters. Um, But that also might be fine. I don't know. Regardless, uh, I thought that this author did such a good job of making this an enjoyable read, where I was rooting for all kinds of things to happen, and most of them did. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. If you enjoyed it, there are so many ways that you can get more FitClick in your life. Maybe you just finished our whole backlog. What a shame. We'll make more episodes in the future. But you can also get involved with the community. We are on Twitter at FitClick. We are on Discord, which is linked in our Twitter and it's a very fun multi-Fanish community, and people have given testimonials like, damn, this is the best place on the internet. They didn't really say damn, but they did say it was the best place on the internet. <laughs> this Sorry. is true. I can't help it, but <laughs> I just give it a little flavor, you know? <laughs> yeah, people really like it there. I think it's also quite good. Um, we're running some events in there, hopefully fairly soon. So
2: now is a great time to join. If you'd like to communicate to us uh, in a long-form way, you can do so directly via email we are ficclickpod at gmail.com and we love hearing from you there you can also do so in a more roundabout way by leaving us a review on a podcast hosting site which we will see but other people will also see it yay which might encourage them to listen to the podcast um we have learned statistically that we spread well via word of mouth and reviews so um you're helping us out and you're helping other lost souls who might not know about FicClick yet locate us so you can think about it as doing a favor to your fellow yet
1: to be ficklets in fandom brian i don't know why but something about the phrasing of we spread well made me think about us as like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich (laughs) (laughs) oh fickle is a condiment i love i love peanut butter i do know that you love peanut butter (laughs) and also a pb and j sandwich so it's not a bad comparison yeah Much like peanut butter and jelly are a perfect combination pairing. You know what else is perfect? You and our merch. (laughs) I don't know why I'm pitching this section like it's a transition, but here we are, figlets. Um, (laughs) We do have lovely merch that you can peruse and perhaps purchase for yourself. Um, It's on our Redbubble, which is linked on our Twitter. Or if you would just like to support the pod, throw a couple dollars our way. we do have a Ko-Fi and all of that money goes just directly back into the pod hosting costs etc
0: i hope people know that by that we mean like audio hosting online and not like the costs of us (laughs) hosting the show we don't
1: like have a salary oh my god now this is an
2: unpaid part-time
1: job (laughs) truly Mm -hmm. as we mentioned somewhere in this episode i think towards the beginning but quite frankly i don't know um we are currently running march madness on our twitter at this point, I don't know exactly where we are in our brackets, um, but I imagine fairly close to the ending. So if you would like to get in on it, do so now. It is basically us um, letting you, the Ficklets, decide what is the best Ficklick episode that currently exists. Um, we started with 32 episodes that we three hosts picked um and by this point there have now been a number of polls that have gone up on our twitter um and you all hopefully have voted for i'm gonna be really sad if i'm (laughs) listening back to this editing and like we have like no votes or only like two votes in the polls so um it's like three votes and it's us (laughs) (laughs) yeah um hopefully people have been participating and enjoying i don't know um but i think at this point there will still be a couple polls left so if you haven't joined in on the fun you still can
0: our next episode comes out on March twenty fourth, and it's gonna be sexy. Reed, what's your pick <laughs> for that episode? Ooh, I, that was a, a
1: bad transition it for is? my
0: pick, specifically. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, me to try that again. Our next episode comes out on March twenty fourth, and it is not gonna be sexy. Reed, <laughs> what fic are you bringing?
1: Ficklets, I'll let you decide whether you think this fic is sexy or not sexy if you read it ahead of time, um, although sexy is not really the word I'd apply to it. However, the fic that I am bringing is The Love Stories We Share Around Starfires by Distressed Gremlin. It is for the fandom Formula One, but it is an AU. It is specifically an apocalypse AU. It's road trips at the end of the world. The pairing is one boy that I do know, Pierre Gasly, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher this name. He's written the fic as Danny, but the full name appears to be Daniel Kvyat. I'm going to look up the pronunciation before we record next episode, but for now, (laughs) that's what you get. Um, I am very excited to talk about this fic. Brenna, what are you bringing?
2: My pick for next episode is Any Greenness is Deeper Than Anyone Knows by Desdemona Kalos. Uh, This is a gen fic for Over the Garden Wall, and it sort of explores an alternate ending to the series. Nick,
0: what are you bringing? My fic for next episode is You Can Change Right Next to Me by Simon Lorden. And this is a fic for the fandom Jolene, Dolly Parton, Song. Uh, Our main relationship is Jolene and narrator. And there's also a side pairing of Jolene slash man. Ficklets, I'm late for
1: my shift. I gotta go. Bye. Ficklets, I just spent the past couple days with my co-hosts consuming a lot of media, specifically Formula One's Drive to Survive. I'm excited to potentially consume lots more media in the upcoming days as well, in the spirit of Murderbot.
2: Bye. Ficklets, I don't want a journey to the underworld. Bye.